0: Hello. And welcome to a bit of a different episode of the Called Cast here. We're we're sitting down, so it's gonna be a little more chilled out. Your feet might end up being put on the desk, which is pretty big. Fucking hell. Um And it's gonna be a little different because we're talking about a bit of a different thing. Um we're gonna be talking about a specific director, and that specific director has a movie coming out this weekend. Coming up. Which is Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. The director of Dune. Now. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of directors that come to mind when you think of directors. A lot of the famous ones. Um. Spielberg. Uh. Kubrick. Scorsese. Hitchcock, Tarantino, Nolan, Fincher, PTA. Um no women, because you know, apparently they're not allowed to direct movies except for Greta Gerwig and Sophia Coppola. But Denny has probably probably had the best last ten years, twenty ten to twenty nineteen. And he's still not really thought of like those other people that I mentioned. Um, and there's a couple things that make me think I know why. Though I really don't. Um, the first is his first language is French. So he speaks with a French accent. Um, because he's from Quebec. So he didn't come up in America where his first films were seen by smaller audiences. And then second film gained a little more traction. And then third film is like where he kind of blew up. He, it took him about four movies, a bunch of shorts and like 20 ish years. Um, not 20 years, 15, 12 or 15 years to really hit it off uh, because his career started sort of Skyrocketing after prisoners in 2013 but he re- also just really didn't gain the name recognition until 2015 with Sicario but we're, what we're going to do today is go through his movies uh, might mention a couple things about his shorts and actually I will mention a couple things about his shorts because I've seen pretty much everything that he's made so we'll go through them I'll tell you what I like and dislike. I'm not going to spoil anything because I don't think that's very fun. Um And I don't love people who can't really talk about movies without spoiling them. I kind of just want this to be more introductory. So we're going to start with something I didn't plan for. Rewind fast forward. Which is his sort of first major short that he made Um after... Yeah, Rewind Fast Forward was his first major one. Um, and it's sort of sci-fi adjacent. Uh, it's set in Jamaica. But it's treated as an unknown planet where a journalist gets kind of dropped into a country. And he's just sort of experiencing the people. And while that's happening there's also this other storyline of the journalist being interrogated by an unknown figure about like where this footage is from who these people are like why they were acting a certain way and it's really interesting especially for i think he was early 20s at the time 21 22 ish maybe 24 um and I, I think it's really good. It sort of—it's a light roadmap for where he's going to end up, which is pretty incredible. Why is this so low? That's not fun. Hopefully, I can fix that audio, make it a little louder. Now I think I made it too loud. Okay, are we good? God, this fucking gain knob is going to kill me. Anyway, um, rewind fast forward. It's got some sci-fi elements, but it also... His key thing that I really like about his movies is how he treats his characters, how he treats the people in the frame. Because some pretty bad stuff happens to characters in his movies. They do some pretty bad things. But Somehow you can sort of feel for them. You can feel for everyone that he's showing. Even if they're... Well, not even if. Even when they're sort of a, a bad person. Like Benicio Del Toro's character. I forget what his name was. Um, but in Sicario. Where he's a pretty bad guy. But you can empathize with him. And Denise's very good at doing that. And, you know... N- not putting spectacle over human emotion. Uh, so Rewind Fast Forward, I think, is pretty interesting. Next, we're going to talk about August 32nd on Earth, which is Denis' first feature, and it's a bit of a French New Wave. Um, yeah, it's a very French New Wave, very indie narrative uh, that... Is basically, I don't know. It's fun. It's light. It's shot very well, and it's very colorful, which is, you know, a little different. It's it's strange to see this if you've seen his other work, how sort of humane it is. Um, and now I know I said that he treats his characters well and like creates compassion for them, but. It's uh, it's a much less aggressive than a lot of his movies are. Because a lot of his movies deal, deal in violence, deal in sort of the pain of humans um, and what people can do to each other. But th- this doesn't really do that. Um, Simone, our main character, has a car crash and then decides that she wants to have a child and thinks her best friend, Philippe, would be a good like genetic partner. He doesn't want her to be the father. He just wants her to be the other half. Um but you know it's not at least I didn't find it to be incredible. But I th- I think it there's some interesting stuff in there if you want to go looking for it. Um so August thirty second on Earth came out in nineteen ninety eight. So he was still pretty young huh? how old would he have been? 26-ish, 26-ish, um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. His next feature, and it, it got a lot of accolades in Canadian um, circles, because there aren't a lot of directors that really came out of this era in Canadian filmmaking onto greater things and in general really a lot of Canadian directors don't really break through the key names are kind of uh Cronenberg Cameron and Denny now uh but there's a there's a couple coming like Emma Seligman who did Shiva, Shiva Baby who I think could could get something going for Canadian directors um but yeah in general Canadian directors just are kind of a rare at least very successful ones uh his next film came out two years later and it's also written by him uh and yeah August 32nd on Earth was written and directed by Denis Maelstrom is also written and directed by Denis completely in French both of them and it's quite harsh um, it sort of questions the meaning of life, consequences of the truth and lying. And it's interesting. Um, the narrative is has an interesting framing device, sort of. It's told by a fish that's getting killed. And basically a woman accidentally kills someone and she's kind of got to decide if she's going to tell a person slash people that she did it. So, I don't know. It's uh, It's got some of the sci-fi sensibilities that you feel in Rewind Fast Forward. And it's got a little bit of the human elements that you feel in August 32nd in Rewind Fast Forward. But... It's, it's still not, s- still not it, you know? Um, this isn't really someone who you should start from their first film if you're trying to get into Denny. I don't believe. Um, though you can get, go back and watch his other ones. I think there are much easier entry points. Like Tarantino, you should arguably start with Reservoir Dogs, though most people probably didn't. Um, because, there's a de- development of his style, of his voice, and um, of his way of like crafting narratives throughout his filmography, that is pretty impressive to watch back to back to back. I don't really think you need to do that, to do that for Denny. His next movie comes strangely nine years after Maelstrom, which, in some interviews, he sort of talked about like needing to refine the inspiration. Because August 32nd and Maelstrom had tepid, tepid reception in the box office and pretty good critical reception. But like, again, if no one sees it, you've got to kind of figure out what you're trying to do here. So his next film is Polytechnique and that comes out in 2008 or nine. Let's see. 2009. And it's about the polytechnique Polytechnique massacre that happened in Montreal. Which was sort of like... Like if it happened today it would be blamed on the Joker movie. That's how like kind of fucked up it is. Um, This guy basically went into an engineering school and killed women Exclusively. Because he had some weird, like, incel. I don't really want to get into whatever it was. Um, but it's a heavy subject. And it's sort of dealt with in a way that I think is very, pretty respectful to the victims. Um, and it doesn't, it's not like overtly saying that the, shooter was bad though he is and though the film doesn't frame him in a good light it does a good job of showing you through his actions rather than sort of just like and like not by through his actions i don't mean like by showing you fucking showing him fucking kill people but just like showing his way of thinking rather than just having someone be like that's a bad egg he's a bad apple it's like You sort of get his inner processes, his inner thoughts, and that's how you sort of can deconstruct what makes this person bad rather than just being told that they're bad and being seen and show having them kill a bunch of people. Anyway, it is very, very good. I think it's his first really really good film where he has a clear sense of what works with the story or what he wants to do. And that meshes with the story. Well, it's shot in black and white. Um, There's an English and French version though. I watched the English one because I don't know French, but it's really tight. It's incredible. The sort of like way he communicates these characters trauma and guilt and emotions and again it doesn't make violence a spectacle now you wouldn't expect someone to make what's essentially a school shooting a spectacle because if they did they wouldn't really be able to make another movie unless they're funded by Ben Shapiro but it it doesn't do that uh, and that's something that you see in Denny's later work like Sicario and Blade Runner where even at the crazier moments it's not Rambo it's not a Marvel movie it's not that sort of over the top spectacle it's subdued more realistic and a little more compassionate in my opinion so I think Polytechnique is his first like really interesting movie where you sort of see how he's treating these characters and the way he likes to shoot things in terms of the camera. Anyway, on Sandy, which is an adapt. Um, and he also wrote Polytechnique, on Sandy, which is an adaptation of a play also written by Denny and will be his last directed and written and directed by credits until Dune um, is about twins who learn their family history uh, after their mother's death and have to go to the Middle East to sort of complete her wishes and figure out who their father is and like what happened with their father and, and brother, long lost brother. Uh, and it's it's a tough watch uh, and this was the first of Denny's films to get some sort of like uh, Oscar credit it was put up for the Canadian International Oscar but didn't end up getting it um, it's good it's very good very intense um I don't really want to talk about it too much but it's beautifully shot and shot a lot on location it's incredible and if you haven't seen the play um, it's just kind of it's an amazing story and the way it's told is great there's flashbacks um, there's like different timelines not like super timelines but like there's a flashback flash forward or real time flashback why am i so confused about fucking flashbacks but it's really good i would recommend it and though it's about a sort of it's like there's a lot of war in it but it it again it's the way the violence sort of is is grounded and real and intense it's not even like you know i don't love the movie very much Actually, I don't love the movie at all. I don't like the movie very much. Um, American Sniper. It's not like even war movie sort of action telling. It's it's It feels different. It gives you a different emotional weight. So On Sunday is very good. If you've seen the play, you could jump in here. I think that would be an interesting way to start watching his movies. But if you haven't. I'd still kind of wait until we get a little later into his filmography to, uh, to jump in. Uh, his next film is his real first big sort of shot at Hollywood directing. Uh, it's his first budget over like $10 million, I think. And it's shot by one of, you know, the best cinematographers ever or in the business currently, however you want to distinguish him, Roger Deakins. Um, and this is Prisoners, and it, it is a certified, like, this is his first blockbuster. It's crazy. On $46 million, he made $122 million, which is pretty pretty insane. Um, it's got his first sort of starring ensembles, like star-studded ensemble cast, You've got Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal sort of at the center of it. Also Viola Davis, Paul Dano, um, Terrence Howard, you know, Rhody for one movie. And the plot is very tight. It's a very tight plot. Uh, th- th- there's, I wrote a bunch about, down about this movie. But I'm just gonna like, kinda riff. It's, it's a pretty, it's so tense. It's so suspenseful. And it's the first movie of his that is really, truly suspenseful. Um, Polytechnique is pretty suspenseful, but it's also like a sort of different thing. This is like, you're in it. Um, you're suspenseful. You're kinda clenched up. Sort of un, it, it, not cinema like, In terms of cinematography, but in a way it's uncut gemsy in terms of like how tight you are throughout the movie and how like I partially realize like I've been my shoulders have been scrunched up scrunched up the entire time. Uh and if you haven't seen this, basically about uh Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard's daughters get kidnapped and Hugh Jackman sort of becomes a vigilante. Jake Gyllenhaal is the detective assigned to the case and sort of unravels from there. So I, I think this is this is a good entry point. A lot of people I know have seen this and then seen a couple of his later things. But I think you could see this one start there, sort of go forward and then double back. Though I wouldn't start here yet. I'm really holding the lead on this. Um, it's, it's his first like really great Hollywood movie. And I think that's really impressive. That he came from doing En Sandi to um, three years later making Prisoners. And this next movie pretty much back to back. And both of them being quite successful at what they were trying to do. The next movie is Enemy, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. The basic premise is Jake Gyllenhaal realizes there's another Jake Gyllenhaal and, um, things happen. And it's, compared to Prisoners, it's quite small and quite intimate. Uh, it's, you can kind of tell, like, they just shot where they could in Toronto. Um, and it's like firmly based in Toronto. It's not like, this is New York, but it's actually, like, you can kind of tell it's Toronto, like, free guy. I know free guy didn't say what city it was, but you're like, oh, that's Toronto, if you've known anything about Toronto. Which I do, because I'm a city boy now. Um, this is an aggressively, an aggressively suspenseful movie, and an aggressively paced and produced movie um the narrative is sort of complicated and convoluted and not really convoluted in a bad way just like kind of what the fuck um the color grading is harsh it's like a harsh yellow and some of the shots are incredible because it's sort of seamless how you can see two Jake Gyllenhaals, unless like another one exists in real life. I don't know how they did a lot of this stuff with such a small budget. It was like three million dollars, so I know they're not deep faking. I don't think. Um, it's yeah, it's amazing, and you could classify this as a 2014 release, depending on like whatever metric you use. I classified as a 2013 because I believe it came out at a festival like sort of late 2013 but you count this as a 2014 mix Denny's got one of the greatest five year runs of any director ever Um, and like Enemy is an incredible entry into that Uh, this next movie though is my entry point that I would recommend to people if they sort of want to get into it and get a little like baseline for what denny does um <clears throat> and that's sicario i think sicario is his most broadly entertaining movie his easiest uh like easiest one to get into and like easiest one to recommend as well uh sicario is it's also very widely seen which i think is good um It's basically about Emily Blunt getting entangled in some sort of CIA drug cartel (laughs) mumbo jumbo, and she's in over her head, which is a, which is sort of a theme for a lot of Denise characters where they're just put in a situation where they're in over their head and they've got a little training. They kind of know what they're doing, but. Like they they don't they're lost they they are way too way too deep they're way deeper than they should be. Sicario is gripping it's incredible and all around it's just like suspenseful action movie making at its finest. Uh, And it's the second film shot by Deakins that Denny made, and it's also written by Taylor Sheridan, who is the what is that fucking the one with Kevin Costner and he's Yellowstone? He wrote Yellowstone or is it the showrunner or both? Taylor Sheridan, <coughs> uh, also King, M- Mayor of Kingstown, maybe. uh, And a couple other things. Why am I? I'm kind of blanking on Taylor Sheridan, but written by Taylor Sheridan, if that means anything to you. And I think the reason why this is a good entry point is because, number one, it's easy to, like like I said, easy to recommend. Broadly entertaining. You can sit almost anyone down in front of this and they'll enjoy it. Uh, And it's got some iconic scenes. And one very iconic scene, which is the bridge scene. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But having an iconic scene in a movie is really important. Um prisoners is very good I don't think there is that scene in it though where if you see the clip like if the clip gets recommended to you or you like think about it and you think you know maybe I just kind of want to see that again you could look it up on YouTube I'm not sure if there's a scene in prisoners that you could do that for which you know that's not determinant of the quality of a movie but it's determinant of the movie's life um lifespan so yeah i think sicario is a good entry point and you also see what denny kind of does best which is gripping suspense mixed with the sort of care and attention he pays to characters who are in over their head sort of stressed out and all around in a bad place so if you want to get into this sicario is the one to do and then we've got Arrival, his most—I'd probably say most acclaimed movie. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, this was the only. This is the only movie he's been a, nominated for an Oscar for, um, Best Director, obviously. And it's the first movie where he really shows on a uh, on a high level his aptitude for sci-fi storytelling. Which goes on to influence his next two. <clears throat> next two movies. Sorry. Uh, if you haven't seen Arrival, Amy Adams, Aliens Land, and she's a linguist and she's got to figure out what they're trying to say. Uh, it's, it's got, uh, where Sicario's like, the suspense knob is kind of cranked up, the, Character knob is very cranked up in Arrival, uh, and I th- I think that's it's touched a lot of people's hearts, um, and I don't know. This is a tough year for Oscars because this was the Moonlight La La Land year, so in Best Director he was going up against Jenkins, uh, Ch- Damien Chazelle, uh, who is it? Kenneth Lonergan and Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge. Saw it. Thought it was pretty good. Didn't blow me away. What was Kenneth Lonergan for? Like, I don't know something else. But then La La Land, Moonlight. Uh, Chazelle ended up winning, which, you know, is fine. I think Chazelle, Jenkins, or Denny could could have taken that, um, without it being like too much of a con. Actually, if Denny took it. It would probably be pretty controversial, but Arrival is just so good. Um, I think all all three of those movies are incredible. Anyway, Arrival is one of the greatest sci-fi movies of the lo- of this century, um, and it's it's also just kind of period one of the great movies of this century, <clears throat> which you could fight me on probably, and like pull out some thing from some guy I've never heard of from Iran and that's fine you know everyone's got their opinion in my opinion this and the next movie are the greatest two of the greatest and by the greatest I mean like top hundred sci-fis and just movies of this century and the next one is Blade Runner 2049 came out in 2017 whoa yeah whoa, that's a big one Came out in 2017. And this is, you know, the last movie before Denny gets Dune, which is coming out this weekend, which is kind of fucking crazy. Um, and it's, it's a risk. Every time he talks about this, he sort of talks about how if he fucked up Blade Runner, like he's basically done. Like Blade Runner is a pretty sacred movie. Um, and it's, it's one of, the sort of few sci-fi movies that didn't get spun off into a hundred different things later on down the road. This is the only sequel to it. Aside of, like, you know, if you count the director's cut or whatever, but this is the only real sequel to it. So if he takes this and he fucks it up like he's done making big budget sci-fi movies, I don't think he did, though it did not make a lot of money. Um... This, the artistry is there. You can see it. It's beautiful. Shot by Roger Deakins again. Um, who I was hoping would shoot Dune, but it's not. It's Greg Frazier, I believe. <laughs> um, But it did make a lot of money, but it's gorgeous. Um, Very meditative. And I think it expands... This is coming from a casual Blade Runner fan, but expands the mythos of Blade Runner pretty well. And... It didn't deserve to bomb at the box office, though I one thousand percent get it. Um, it's two and a half hours long, about it's an old IP that's pretty cult classicy, um, and it's not a movie you can really pitch to someone. Like you, if someone doesn't know about Blade Runner. I'm not sure if they're gonna care about the sequel. Um, you've you've gotta know and sort of care about Blade Runner if you're gonna go see the Blade Runner sequel. It's not like you can go see a hor like you can go see oh, what's it? Escape Room Party of Champions or whatever the fuck <laughs> and not have seen the first one and get it because. It's a different kind of thing, but if you haven't seen Blade Runner 1, why are you going to go commit two and a half hours to Blade Runner 2? I'm glad it was made, but these are sort of the same concerns I have for Doom. Um, It's a huge budget. It's old IP that is based on a book that was poorly adapted, and then now it's being adapted again. Or poorly in quotes. I haven't seen the original Dune yet. I want to watch it after this Dune. But it's not big IP. And Denny is still not really a big director. Even though he probably had the greatest 2010s of anyone in Hollywood. Um, He's not Tarantino. He's not Nolan. He can't really open a movie by himself. Uh, And this isn't Marvel. This isn't DC. This isn't Something like that. I don't know if Dune has that recognition. And it's fucking three hours long. It's two and a half, two hours and 35 minutes plus like 15 minutes for trailers. And you're probably going to get there early. So we're looking at three hours. So I don't know. I'm, I'm worried. Now it seems like people are going to see it in IMAX, which will bump up the ticket sales, but I don't know. I, I, I can see this movie not doing well in the opening weekend. And... You know, there'd be some sort of doomsday calling. Though it is also opening on, on HBO Max, I believe, I hope, that's still happening because I think the only chance that this really has is a pretty good box office opening weekend. And a very good streaming weekend or like streaming run because I don't know if this is a movie people will go out and see or just want to turn on even though Denny told people you gotta see it in theaters that doesn't really hold much credence with people who don't really care uh yeah I don't know I'm excited for Dune I'm gonna go see it this weekend um my sort of final note is that I hope people just watch Denny's films, um, especially Canadian people, and sort of see what you can do. Um, director, directing has not been one of the things that Canadians have been able to look at the mass success and be like, that's what I want to achieve, um, as much as music has been. With music, we punch well above our weight, which is great, but it's fostered by government intervention and not like strict government intervention like North Korea, but like we have a lot of funding. We have a lot of programs that are meant to foster the production of music. We don't have that many that are meant to foster visual arts or, um, like, really anything else like that um there aren't a lot of canadian directors who have achieved a sort of great level of fame Uh, and denny has he's one of the few that have Uh, and if james cameron ever makes another movie again you know it'd be nice to have him in the news as well but i hope that he can sort of be a, a catalyst to show like young canadians that they can be a blockbuster director they don't have to direct tv for american shows in toronto or vancouver or like just work in marketing and stuff as a sort of creative eye in marketing campaigns um so yeah i hope i hope he inspires some people because you know it's, it's cool cool to see a canadian guy get to adapt dune like what who would have expected a one of the greatest i like sci-fi intellectual properties one of the greatest you know sci-fi novels ever to be adapted by a french canadian guy like that's insane with a huge cast Ti- well you know timothy chalamet jason momoa oscar isaac rebecca ferguson zendaya for what i've heard is about 4 minutes um and you know some other people who I'm whose names I'm forgetting, um, Josh Brolin. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I hope that I hope that people look at Denny and go, you know, that's what I want to do, rather than just being like, I want to be a director, but I'll just make indie movies because that's a that's the thing about uh, movie making. It's like. if we need more interesting blockbuster directors, the directors of blockbusters are not doing them well. And though I'm fascinated by blockbusters and one day I'd like to make one. I don't think that we're going down the right road. Um, Blade runner 2040, 2049. I always want to say 2048 because of the fucking mobile game but blade runner 2049 is an example of a very interesting very non-standard blockbuster whereas jungle cruise is the exact opposite um and i'd like more jungle or <laughs> and i'd like more blade runner 2049s so you know good on you Denny uh, hopefully Dune does well so we can get that second part get that TV show you can get that series with Jake Gyllenhaal out and that Cleopatra movie out too that'd be sick um, and I hope he's able to keep working at this this budget level because I think it's it's great to have someone like him working it's with such high budgets anyway I've spilled my fucking guts and shit all over the floor Um, And now it's your turn. Use the hashtag when tweeting about Dune so I know that you sent me. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, have a good day. And... Start with Sicario. Work your way forwards. Here's what... Actually, last thing. I'll do two, two more things. Here's the order you should watch them in. Sicario... Prisoners, Arrival, Enemy, 2048, 2049, um, Polytechnique, Ensemble, and then, you know, you can swap around August and Maelstrom, and then my rating is, <clears throat> that's interesting, I didn't think about this before, let me quickly look up what my letterbox says, Um I believe my number one. Oh, I'm getting up close and sexual with the camera. Let's look at my lists. Lists? That's not how you navigate this site. Lists? Dino Greg, Donnie Villeneuve. So I've got Anson D first, actually. And then Blade Runner, Polytechnique, Sicario, Enemy, Arrival, Prisoners, Next Floor, which is one of his shorts that I neglected to talk about. Um, it's on the Criterion channel if you want to watch. Oh god. <laughs> uh August then Maelstrom, dune yet to be ranked. So that's what I've got. Um comment down below what you've got. Or if you don't got it. Or if you've got any diseases that you should go to the doctor for. Heaven knows I do. Okay, fuck. This is this is going downhill quick. Anyway. Uh, have a good night or day and stay hot people bye-bye